0: Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. I'm Beth Shank, host of the podcast, along with our guest host, Dr. Shanda Demarest, who is interviewing faculty members and educators from the School of Nursing Commitment, an important focus of the Nurses Climate Challenge. Today, Shanda interviews Dr. Sue Ellen Brakey, nursing faculty at the Massachusetts General Hospital School of Health Professions. It is great to hear her perspective over a career of education and influence. Enjoy.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, everyone. Uh, This is Shanda Demarest, guest host for the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. I am very excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Sue Ellen Brakey. Um, Dr. Brakey is the Associate Director of the Center for Climate Change, Climate Justice, And health. She's a distinguished teaching associate professor in the School of Nursing at MGH Institute of Health Professions in Boston. She teaches in the DNP and accelerated BSN programs there. And Dr. Brakey has a long history in scholarship around global health, ethics, uh, climate change, and human health and well being. And she and I had the chance to sit down and talk about Dr. Brakey, um, along with a very close colleague of hers at the same institution, Dr. Patrice Nicholas, and, and their experience in creating the MGH Institute of Health Professions Center for Climate Change, Climate Justice, and Health. And it was Really enlightening for me to to hear about that history. Um, it's one of the first centers developed in the nation and sort of globally. And in the past several years, more and more of these types of institutions have come onto the scene. Uh, Dr. Brakey talks about the interdisciplinary nature of the center, some of the opportunities for cool collabs it has led to, and the vision for the future. And we also get into her leadership with the National League for Nursing and some of the really exciting developments um, in in recent months, namely the vision statement on climate change and health coming out of the NLN, the National League for Nursing. And just to give a little teaser, a a couple quips from the conclusion of that vision statement, That group um, cites that nursing leadership in a climate changing world requires optimal education of nurses across all levels of academic programs to ensure that nurses are well prepared to address adverse health consequences of climate change. And then it goes on to, to say, the nursing profession is uniquely positioned to offer critical leadership related to climate change and health. And to address this complex challenge in partnership with other health professions and policymakers. So this is just coming onto the scene. And, um, you know, more and more we're starting to see vision statements and position statements and charges for us in the nursing profession to bring climate and planetary health into curricula to empower and educate and prepare our faculty to deliver these messages and subsequently to prepare the students and future professionals to be climate activists and climate advocates and climate smart health practitioners. So again, um, you know, welcome to Dr. Sue Ellen Brakey. It was really excellent to, to hear about some of the history of this um, this critical work coming out of Boston. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Dr. Sue Ellen Brakey, hey, hello. Thanks for joining me. How you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You just told me that... Um, you and the the rest of the folks in Boston have about an inch of snow on the ground. We're just in the about hitting winter solstice at this time of the year, which to me probably also means that it's the end of fall semester for nursing <laughs> faculty. How's that going?
0: Oh, we're in the thick of it. We are in the thick of I'm in the thick of grading.
1: Mm. Um, but it's been a good semester, excellent well, i'm I'm excited to dig into that with you. We'll talk about, um, yeah, you in your role teaching climate and and planetary health to nursing students. Um, but before we get there, I came across your your name and your work uh, many years ago as as it pertains to um, the Center for Climate Change climate justice and health so maybe you can just kind of start from there like what is your role how did you get such an amazing position at such an amazing institute
0: sure so interestingly um my colleague dr patrice nicholas who is the director of our center and i'm the associate director we have been we have known each other forever and um Published a global health book back in 2015. Where, when we were writing that and editing it, we had contributors, we kind of said, you know what, we need to have a chapter around climate change and health in this book. And that's really so that was 2014. That's really when we got involved in thinking about climate change and health, and then, you know, really reading about it and gaining a better understanding. Um, my PhD work was in ethics. So just the whole, the justice issues around climate change are so significant. Um, and so then there were several faculty, you know, we we started talking about it. We published um, an article in the Journal of Nursing Scholarship back in 2017. And there was a little bit of momentum around this with other faculty saying like, hey, we should create a center. So we really just did it. You know, we didn't ask permission, um, got interested steering, you know, formed a steering committee, formed like a mission, vision vision and values, started meeting regularly, um, you know, kind of decided that Patrice, Dr. Nicholas would be a great director and for a while, we just had a director, and, and our goal was to really just increase awareness, get out there, talk to nurses, talk to students, talk to the community members. And it's just kind of grown from that um, and has generated interest and is seen as something within the Institute that is important, which is really great. And it's it's been that way since we started the center. People have said, you know, especially since when they started to hear about how climate change impacts health and why it's important for students to learn this, people got it. They're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize the connections.
1: Well, and and Boston has a long history of environmental justice work in the health sphere. Um, I work for Healthcare Without Harm and am familiar with that long history, you know, more than a quarter century ago, of of folks working to get mercury out of healthcare, uh, mercury and thermometers and and blood pressure cuff devices, oftentimes being incinerated on site and leading to all these you know nasty chemicals in the air and in the water. Um, and as you talk about the institute, so so that's the Massachusetts General Hospital Institute, right? Yes, yeah, so yeah. we
0: are, the Institute of Health Professions is the academic
1: arm of the Mass General Brigham system. Got it, okay. So, so I mean, it sounds like a lot of the academic work, certainly, and, and the direct patient care work is, is pretty closely integrated and, and MGH just built a center after you as well, right? Could you talk a little bit about what's happening on the hospital side of things?
0: Yeah, so we are separate. We're a separate entity from MGH. However, we have actually partnered with and collaborate with the Center for Environment and Health at MGH. And then most recently, we're beginning collaborations with um, Brigham and Women's Hospital. Um, So Our collaborations include, we have, um, we started these at the center, but at our, at the Center for Climate Change at the MGH, but IHP, but we have monthly webinars that we now do in collaboration with the Center for Environment and Health and BWH. So we bring in people to speak um, both on environmental sustainability, which is a major, Um, piece of what the MGH Center does, and then also on the health impacts of climate change, which is where we, that's really our primary focus at the Institute of Health Professions. Um, We also, they have also joined us, we have a yearly symposium we've had since 2018, I think was our first one. My pandemic timeline is confusing. (laughs) Um, But our first one, again, we just said, hey, let's have a symposium. We had a national audience. It was live, so it was pre-COVID. Gina McCarthy was our keynote speaker. Um, We, our second one, I think is the one that got canceled because of the pandemic. Um, Last year, we, the year before we had Renee Salas was our keynote, MGH physician who does a lot around climate change and health. And then last year we had it in our keynote was Bill McKibben. And this year we're having it. And one of our keynotes is slated to be Dr. Barbara Sattler, which is really exciting, along uh, with a colleague of hers, a physician colleague to talk about planetary health. So we've had a lot of really great collaboration um, over the last year, year and a half um, in, Large, largely, in part because of Patrice and her um connections to the mGH. And so it's really been fruitful and productive and a great collaborative effort mm.
1: well, and and I was wondering if Dr. Nicholas would come up in the conversation, and I think she did in the first fifteen seconds. <laughs> I mean, the two of you together are are certainly um the really greats. And I love how you've brought up this this interdisciplinary piece. Um, you mentioned Dr. Renee Salas, uh, both of the, um, hospitals you referenced MGH and Brigham and women's. We, we work closely with Dr. Jonathan Slutzman at MGH and Dr. Greg Fury. And even the title of your center is, um, of is health professions. So that's something that, um, that I think we could do a better job at and you're modeling that interdisciplinary um, partnership. Honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm curious if you've, you've been doing this climate work for a long time. Um, I know that you also have a history in indirect care with patients, a cardiac nurse like me. Um, you also have that critical care, that hospice background. Could you speak a little bit to the relationships with interdisciplinary health professionals that you are part of and that you observe in the climate realm, maybe as compared to the direct care realm. Is there anything that feels different to you between those two spaces?
0: Mm, I think well, in the clinical realm, it's pretty at least, you know, I my background, a lot of a lot of critical care, um, global health work I've done. There, and, you know, you know this from if you've been at the bedside, you know, there's this the, a team that for the most part, everyone has the same goal, but they also have different pieces of themselves. And so those goals kind of align in the in the care of the patient. But we're all there to do our own thing. But, it all, you know, obviously we need to work together to make that happen and to make care the best it can be. And the Institute also has a huge interprofessional um, education component that's peppered throughout the the IHP. But I feel like um, in general, I don't even know if I'm answering your question, but in general, when you reach out to anyone who is interested in climate or environmental justice, you get a response. Like people are just, you know, Bill McKibben, was willing to come and speak at our, at our conference. Gina McCarthy was willing to, you know, people have a passion and I'm not saying that healthcare providers at the bedside don't have a passion because they absolutely do. There's something that feels different around climate change and environmental sustainability. And I think it has to do with the people who have become like the earlier doctors of, you know, addressing the issue sense the urgency to do so and so there's just kind of you you cut across any kind of hierarchy or you know different professions it's it's just about the goal of looking at let's fix let's fix the earth and let's make people more healthy as we do
1: it Mm -hmm. that Totally resonates with me. Um, some of the work that I have done with physicians, with speech pathologists and physical therapists in the at the intersection of climate and health has been the most participatory, least hierarchical. Egos are left at the door. Um, it's interesting that you experience that As well, I I think that might be something that's shared with folks. Um, Yeah, well, Sue Sue Ellen, you mentioned also um, a book that you put out in the um, in the mid twenty tens called "Global Nursing in the Twenty First Century." And I know that you had also been in you know in a health profession prior to the twenty first century. So I was thinking, like, huh, I wonder if you'd be interested in contrasting a little bit, like from your global health realm, how does this century look different to you? What, what's a little bit behind that title? Like, why is this different than global health in the past? Well,
0: I think a lot of global health is still, um, well, first of all, what I, I will say, the work I did in global health was also with an interdisciplinary team and with with a common goal, and it felt a lot like the climate change work, where the hierarchies went away as well in that okay. in that environment. um, but i I think there's still, you know, there are a lot of people out there doing global health work um, but not necessarily much like clinicians in this country, like not necessarily considering, the environment or climate. Um, So I see them as like intersecting, but
1: still distinct, if that makes sense. It does. And, and I think, I think it's confusing for folks Um, when we talk about climate change, climate health, planetary health, global health, and and how nurses are working at this intersection um and it's it's tough because we're we're trying constantly to to bring this to the forefront of of nursing and and health professions knowing that you know these crises are are leading you know millions and millions of premature deaths and the morbidity and mortality of of climate and planetary health are are extreme um and at the same time i have a a little bit of a concern that like the semantics and some of the challenging academic associations that we're battling with muddy the waters a little bit um I don't know if that's if that's your experience, but I I'm
0: that's Can something that
1: sure sure. So um maybe let's take the two terms climate change and sustainability very different things. Climate change is this you know this natural crisis, but anthropocentric um, that we're dealing with across the planet, very large in scale. Environmental sustainability um, is, you know, the concept of trying to help preserve our environment for generations in the future. And and it's often one of the primary um, terms that hospitals and health systems use when they're working around some of their, um, you know, their conservation efforts, energy, water, food, waste, et cetera. And... I think in my experience with, with nurses trying to connect environmental sustainability with climate action is it's sometimes it's a law. There's a long distance in between those two, um, especially if nurses and other health professionals are sort of entering the sustainability realm from the gateway of waste. Yeah. And because of, yeah, because of how big and, and enormous climate and planetary health are, I think um, it's it's e- it's an easier pill to swallow to talk about environmental sustainability first. And and that's something that your institute has spent a lot of time doing. Um, yeah, hopefully that helped sort of provide a little bit of clarity, an example with the semantics piece, sustainability mm-hmm. and climate. How does that come across for you?
0: Yeah, and, and I would say, We've actually spent more time focusing on the health impacts of climate change. Um, our, our institution, the MGH Institute of Health Professions, really they focus, they do focus on sustainability. They have a sustainability coordinator, um, which is great. So very conscious in that way. But I do think that there are two distinct things that are related. Uh, that's how I look at it in my mind, because I know I can't be knowledgeable about all of it in a articulate way, you know, so I, I know about sustainability. Um, I know the work that MGH is doing. I know the work through our webinars, but in terms of like my scholarship, and where my focus is, it's really around what are the health impacts? How do we increase that awareness? How do we communicate? How do we teach students? How do we make sure health professionals understand why it's important? Um, And I think that's still a struggle. It's a struggle for people to understand that this is happening now. I mean, I I think since we wrote our textbook and really got involved, that is not like it was as the George Mason, Yale, you know, climate communication survey show, people people are getting more concerned about this, but, um, so I th- that's how I look at it, kind of as two distinct things. And what's nice about kind of partnering with the Center for Environment and Health is that they're, like I said, one of their, they have four pillars, but their main thrust is really around sustainability So it's a nice partnership and it makes a nice, even for our symposium, which we're planning right now for April, um, thinking about climate change and health, but maybe this time with a little bit more focus on sustainability and what people can do at the individual level, the hospital level, the community advocacy level, Um, if if that, answers your question. Yeah,
1: yeah, nice. Thank you. And what I pulled out of there, too, is whatever ways in which we're engaging with this huge, huge topic, it is it is not only okay, but it is excellent to define those boundaries and look to others to help fill in whatever gaps we individually naturally have. We can't be experts at it all. Um, and let me add, I think... Nurses have a
0: role in both of those areas, mm-hmm. and I think to your point, they might there might be more early adopters in the sustainability area, but I don't think nurses completely, I think we need to do a better job saying to nurses, this is how you can impact individuals and communities and populations on the health
1: side of things. I love the way you say that. We've been talking about um, what well, we're sort of reshaping some of our climate strategy work right now at Healthcare Without Harm. We have a pillared approach. Um, we sort of frame climate smart healthcare through mitigation, resilience, and leadership. And part of my job is to think about how clinicians, health professionals, nurses engage in climate smart healthcare. And I was actually listening to um, a podcast that um, uh, Ben Shapiro of all podcasts just sort of <laughs> I like learning about you know how how others are framing different language. And he brought up um, he brought up climate actually, and was talking about mitigation and adaptation. That's sort of another frame for resilience and humans are historically evolutionarily great adapters like if we're good at anything it's adapting we suck at mitigation <laughs> you know we can't even mitigate uh, you know some of our own human health issues that we know how to mitigate for instance right. yeah. and i I've, I've tried to been like extrapolating that to the climate smart healthcare thought, and how do clinicians engage with this three pillar framework? And if we think about the reasons that nurses are doing the jobs they're doing, it's to take care of patients. Um, you know, somebody like me, for instance, you know, perhaps I could have ended up in a conservation, you know, conservation biology role or that sort of thing from the more of the mitigation environmental side, but I ended up a nurse. And because I wanted to take care of of humans. Um, and so if we think about what is that hook, coming back to exactly what you're saying, like it's the health impacts, it's driving back down to the reasons that health professionals are in their roles. And I think sustainability, to your point, it's, that it's a very lovely early adopter opportunity. But I think to some extent, that's only sustainable for a certain period because at the end of the day nurses are there to take care of the patients they're not necessarily there to save quote save save the earth and so how do we frame this direct you know how do we frame sustainability in an adaptation framework um yeah i i love i love where you're going with this and you also referenced you know, we need to work with nurses to bring this more front and center. And that's something that seems like you're up to with the National League of Nurses. Is it League of Nurses or League for Nurses? National League for Nurses. Thank you to my, my naive, uh, <laughs> my homework there. So recently, just a couple months ago, came out with a vision statement for climate change and health. Um, maybe you can share with us what the National League for Nurses is. What's the vision statement? Um, let's start there.
0: So it is a large organization aimed, I would say primarily at nurse educators um, um, th- through, you know, all levels of education. Um, they provide resources, they have multiple, they have a vision series, actually. So they've had vision statements on social determinants of health, um, equitable vaccine distribution. I mean, there's a whole list. But they have, um, you know, an annual summit that brings educators together. So they're really about kind of prioritizing what are the things that future nurses need to know in order, in order to practice. And so it's a real big emphasis on education, curriculum development, um, curricular content. Um, You know, so they're one of several large organizations. The American Association of Colleges of Nursing is another one. So they're kind of similar, similar. So, um, Patrice and I were asked to co-chair a national committee to write the strategic vision statement for climate change and health, which was unveiled at the NLN summit in September. Um, And so we kind of convened a group of people um, who I'm not going to remember all their names right now. I don't have them in front of me, but we, we, we tried to get a very diverse group of people. So we had an expert. So we had uh, Barbara Sattler, we had Teddy Potter, we had John Lowe, who comes from an indigenous community. Um, he's a researcher. We had, um, oh gosh, um, Thomas and Ollier, who, who it, comes from a diverse background. She's faculty with us. Um, Rosanna Chicas. Um, um, I know I'm forgetting people. And so I apologize, Kathy. Um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting her last name, but she's an, she's an Annie member. She's on the, the education committee, Kathy Murphy. Um, and we together wrote the vision statement. So, and it was a really great process because we had people who had a lot of knowledge. Um, Katie Heffling was on the group. Great. Um, My apologies if I I left anyone off, but so, you know, our goal was to get something in writing with recommendations that was not, you know, a long involved document. So I think it's like eight to 11 pages with recommendations that, like I said, the process was really great to get a bunch of diverse minds in a room together who have a shared common goal. Um, And I think the product is pretty good. Recommendations for deans, recommendations for the NLN, recommendations for deans, faculty members, um, practicing nurses we included in there. We felt we had to around continuing professional development is needed because we have to get the nurses who are future practicing nurses, but the ones who are out there now in practice.
1: 100 percent. I have it in front of me here, too. A couple of the additional authors that I'll just pitch out so we get their names out there too, Dr. Ruth McDermott-Levy and Dr. Oh Jeannie gosh. Leffers. But you got yes, them all. Absolutely. absolutely. I've got those two. Um, so, uh, so I'm glad that you talked about those sort of high-level areas that this puts forward strategic initiatives for, um, NLN generally, the deans, faculty, nurses in practice, policy and advocacy. So maybe you could help us understand, now that this is out here in the world, the vision is out uh, from NLN, how does this get used? How do deans, faculty, nurses in practice, like, make good on this vision statement?
0: I think that it is a resource. It is a, you know, it's a white paper of sorts. Where people who go to the NL webs- NLM website can look at this vision statement, and they actually monitor hits on their vision statements, um, just to see, you know, usability. You know, we don't know what a hit means completely. It could be they just hit on it and left, or they took it and they read it and they're interested. So it's a way to increase people's awareness, if nothing else, because we have to do more and more of that. Um, One of our recommendations, and actually Ruth is is the person who suggested this, I think, first, was we need to advocate to get these topics onto the licensing exams, because until we do, then they fall down on the ladder of priority. And I think the other opportunity, which we, we, I don't think we had a suggestion, but, you know, Embedded in some of this climate change and health um, work is uh, the our Jedi concepts, you know, concepts of justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and I think there's a huge opportunity to, and, and that then and that's also a priority. I know at least at our school, and I think across many schools in the country, people really want to get this into the curriculum. So there's an opportunity to look look at the overlap, look at the intersection between these two concepts and um, be innovative about the way we deliver curricula related to these two things. And I think, you know, we did a small study at the IHP looking across, across all programs to see how people felt about curriculum integration you know, they feel like the curriculum is too crowded. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the resources. So as soon as you make it a priority at a national or a licensing level, then then those things get taken care of because they have to.
1: hmm Yeah, I just think about how we're seeing some of that bubble up in cities and communities that are committing to climate action from a legislative level. Like if it shows up in the laws, then buildings have to be built to that type of code. then utilities have to be partnering with communities in order to you know make make good on some of those those laws. So I love your con you know your your comments about got to bake it in at the national level. So let's imagine that we have faculty that are, you know, I hope it's more than just imagining faculty are going to listen to this and say, okay, you know, I'm committed to learning more, I'm committed to bringing it into my classrooms with students, I'm committing to teaching my colleagues, but what is your recommendation, or what is your call to action, even, for folks to take it to the next step further? How do we get this to the the national licensure boards? How does this show up in the NCLEX?
0: That's a really good question, and, you know, one that I've been thinking about because we put it on paper and now how do we actually move toward that and um you know I know that I'm involved well first of all we have Annie which is a great organization and they've got their textbook so you have you have these people you've got Annie I'm on a um, nurses education working group um out of the global Center for Climate and health education, you have the NLN. So I think it's you have you have the AACN who, you know, in their core competencies, have put in something very minor, but it's there about climate change and health. You have the future of nursing 2030, 20, 2020, 2030, which has a little bit about climate change and health in there. So I think it's like how the question is, and we talk about this a lot in the working group, is how do you leverage all these organizations to somehow work together, to organize, to make a bigger voice, to advocate for those changes? That's the that's the million-dollar question.
1: I agree, Sue Ellen, and I'm really confident we'll get there. Um, we're starting to see sustainability and climate metrics show up in cms and the joint commission which i never thought i would i would say out loud and so um this wave is growing and it's coming and um you know it's it's thanks to folks like you who have been beating this drum for a long time and building the foundation you know in your local community and nationally and internationally to help you know others see how it can be done and, um, take, yeah, take heart that there are a lot of people trying to make this happen. Um so perhaps, as we get close to closing, i I would love to invite you uh, to share a little bit about the event that's coming up in. April? Is it the symposium? Like what's on the docket? Uh, you talked about Dr. Barbara Sattler being a, a guest speaker there, but when can folks look to a registration opening? Or Do you have an official date yet? Give us a little bit of a, a sneak peek.
0: We have a center at the MGH Institute of Health Professions, mghihp.edu. We have a Center for Climate Change, Climate Justice, and Health web page which is actually currently being updated and um, revised. But on that page, there is information, you know, we have tiles. So we have information about our webinars and we also have information about the symposium. Um, and that will then, you know, that if, if you register for a webinar, by the way, then you get on our mailing list. And you get a copy. If you can't make the webinar, you get a recording. But you also get on, like on our web our list our mailing list, so you'll get information forthcoming information. Um, so that that's one way. Um, there will be more information. We are just finalizing the speakers, um, but we have plenty of really great potential names. You know, it's it's always nerve-wracking to kind of like announce anybody a little too early because you don't want to promise and then someone can't make it but um there will be more information forthcoming but I would encourage people we're taking a break in December but our next webinar is in January and as I said they're both um related to sustainability and climate change and health and they're we, they're really great speakers from
1: a variety of different backgrounds. Awesome. Well, I will be sure to include um yeah, the link you referenced. So folks, you heard it here, keep an eye out for that next webinar um, and the the symposium in spring and and I've attended that virtually and and definitely encourage everybody to to, to join, meet others and um continue to tune in. Well, Dr. Breakey, it's been an honor. Thank you again for helping us envision the future. Um, I'm hoping that you get a little bit of downtime after all of that grading as we head into the holidays. And um, again, we appreciate all of the work that, that you are doing out there in Boston and beyond on behalf of patient health and climate health. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Morris. it was a pleasure. To Dr. Shanda Demarest and Dr. Sue Ellen Brakey, it is exciting to consider the significant changes underway in nursing education and practice to address the environment as a key contributor to health. Thank you both for the conversation. And thank you all for listening, and please check us out at envirn.org. And please subscribe, comment, and share the podcast. Talk to you next time.